Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. Somebody say, God, give me ears to hear and a heart to be transformed by your word. In Jesus' name, amen. This past Tuesday, I had the opportunity to minister to a village in Pakistan. And I want to say thank you to John Greaves, who oversees our live stream, for helping me do that, taking his time to be here. There were some others that said that they wanted to be a part, and they just didn't show up. But John was here, and John was faithful. And uh, it was an incredible opportunity to minister to a village full of people that many are not saved and some have not even heard the name of Jesus. And to watch their hunger. Church, you don't realize we're sitting in a nice building today with air conditioning. You've got a nice padded seat. These people crammed themselves into a building seated on the floor and sat and listened to a message that they previously had no faith in. And as they heard the message of Jesus Christ, and as we gave them an opportunity to receive them, it was amazing to see them all stand to their feet and throw their hands in the air and see their lives touched by Jesus Christ. And so I want to thank you as a church family because you make things like that possible for us to do. We were also able to uh, purchase Bibles in their heart language. And so those that give their life to Christ, they'll get a Bible, and they'll also get plugged into a church. Isn't that wonderful? And uh, we've been invited to participate in more of those rallies that are going on in different parts of the world. And so I'm just, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed to know that God is using us in a mighty and a powerful way that goes beyond the four walls of this church. I remember when we first started, we had just a handful of people meeting in a small building with chicken biscuits, no power. When we first met, the first service, we had no power in the building. We met under uh, the light of, that was coming through the windows. I don't even think we had chairs that first Sunday. And we stood around, Randy had a box guitar, we sang some worship songs, and I gave them the vision of the church. And now here we are. God has been blessing us in an amazing way. We had... We had three weeks in a row of water baptisms. Uh, we had record attendances. Uh, we have, you may not notice this, but we've expanded the seating capacity of this auditorium over the past few weeks. So we actually have more chairs in here now than we have previously had. Also, our student building has gone under some transformation. We refaced the front of that building, put new siding on it, painted it. The interior looks killer. If you have the opportunity, make sure you stop by the student center before you leave and check out the auditorium. I mean, it looks phenomenal. And I want to thank Jason for helping us get the trust and the screens and everything that we have. And also, I want to thank Sean Burney for spending countless hours in there helping us transform the space. But are you ready for the word? If you have the Bible... The, the Bible. If you are lucky enough to have the Bible, 
or if you just have a Bible, you can join in too. Turn your Bible to John, the second chapter. I want to read 10 verses that are going to set us up for where we're going in this conversation today as we continue to talk about big problems, bigger God. How many of you have problems in your life? Well, if you hear nothing else today, hear this. God is bigger than your problem. And I know that God is going to meet you today at the point of your need. I know that today is the day that God has made for you to be transformed. Do you believe that? So John, the second chapter, starting in verse 1, the Bible says, On the third day there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. But listen to how his mom responds in verse 5. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. That's a good principle for life right there. Whatever Jesus tells you, just do it. It doesn't matter if it makes sense. It doesn't matter how you feel about it. If he says it, do it, because the blessing of God is attached to obedience. I want to say that again. The blessing of God is attached to obedience. It's not attached to you making sense of things. It is attached to you simply simply following what he has said. That's why that scripture in Proverbs, the third chapter, five and six, speaks so much to me because it says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, which means there's going to be things in life that you don't understand and that's okay. It's not your job to figure it all out. He knows what he's doing. Turn to the person next to you and say, God knows what he's doing. I like to say he's, he's God and he's really good at his job. So I don't lean to my own understanding, but in all my ways, I acknowledge him. I talk to him about it. And then he directs my path. And as soon as I receive that direction, I walk in it. And as I walk out the path that he has paved for me, I experience the blessing of God. I experience the favor of God. Now I'm able to step into realms that I could not have stepped into on my own because my path is being directed. So Jesus' mother says, do whatever he tells you. Verse 6, now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them to the brim. I love how they respond. They don't just go halfway. They go all the way. They fill it to the brim. At, at this church, we like to say anything worth doing is worth overdoing. So they filled them to the brim. Verse 8, and he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. And when the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. So the master of the feast had no idea what was going on. He, he was not aware that a miracle had occurred, but those who participated in facilitating the miracle knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first, and when the people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. In other words, you put your best out there first. Once everybody gets hammered, then you can throw out the Boone's Farm. 
You never start with the Boone's Farm. You start with the good stuff. Verse 10, everyone starts, serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. The water into wine. I I love this story. It's actually one of the first sermons I ever preached was centered around the miracle of Jesus turning water into wine. I did this illustration where I had a bottle of water, and on the bottle of water there was an ingredients list, the nutrition list, and I went down the line. Total fat, zero, nothing. Protein, nothing. Sodium, nothing. You could go all the way down the line. Everything it had about nutrition, it was nothing. It was zero. I said water is a whole lot of nothing. And then I pointed out the fact that most of us who are alive are made up of at least 60% of water, somewhere in there, which means you're a whole lot of nothing. But the good news is Jesus can take nothing and do something. Jesus specializes in taking ordinary things and using it to do something extraordinary. There's a lot in this passage that you could, you could look at. I mean, you could talk about how much work went into facilitating the miracle. The Bible says there were six jars, each held 20 to 30 gallons, and the servants had to fill them with water. Now, to us, we think, okay, just run the water hose over to the jar, but it didn't work that way back then. You're aware of that? They would have had to either carry these jars all the way to the local well and then carry them back or use smaller vessels and make several trips back and forth. What I'm trying to show you is there a lot of work went into the miracle happening, but what we can learn from that is when we do what we can do, then God steps in and does what only he can do. See, sometimes we want something for nothing, but we've we've got to do what we can do. We've got to obey the voice of the Lord, and when we do that, then the blessing happens. And there's so much we could talk about. I mean, you could talk about how God partners with us to release his work here on this earth. I mean, Jesus could have gone to the empty vessels that were sitting there and said, be filled with wine, and how many of you believe wine would have immediately showed up? But he didn't. He said, go fill them with water. Why? Because God partners with us to release his will here on this earth. I mean, we could talk about how when our resources come to an end, Jesus has more than enough to meet our need. You could even go deeper and talk about how this story of Jesus turning the water into wine shows how he has complete authority and power over all things, even down to the atomic levels. You could talk about how the wine represents his blood that he is going to provide for the people he loves. There's so much in the story. If you really wanted to dig into it, you could spend months 
just going through everything, all the layers of this story, and you can get into some really deep theological conversations just within these 10 verses. But as I looked at it this week, as I was looking at the core of this story, what I saw beyond all of the other things that we just talked about was that God cares about every detail of your life. It's not just the big things he's concerned with. He's also concerned with the small details like you running out of wine at a party and he wants to help. Turn to the person next to you and say, God cares about it all. You know, the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, cast all of your cares on the Lord for he cares for you. That means if you care, you can cast it. Turn to the person next to you and say, if you care, you can cast it. It's amazing. Sometimes we think that things are so small that we don't even want to involve God in it. Maybe it's because we think he doesn't care, or maybe we think like he's got something better to do. Like God's got to feed all the starving children in Africa. He can't help me with this because if he helps me with this, then maybe they won't get what they need. Like God's got some kind of quota. You know, I can only do 20 things this month for my children. And Bob, you asking for a parking spot at the mall has, sorry, but now that person's going to die of starvation. You know, (laughs) we have like a very small view of God. But what I want you to see today is he cares about it all. He cares about the big things and he cares about the things that seem small. He cares about the things that may seem insignificant to others, yet you care. You're giving your mind to it. This, this week, I picked up my youngest daughter from preschool. And when she got in the car, she told me that her friend lost her favorite stuffy. And her friend was, like, devastated over the stuffy. How many of you wish you could just rewind life to where that was the biggest problem you had to deal with? It's like, <laughs> I lost my favorite stuffed animal, you know. But it was a big deal to that little girl. And so my five-year-old daughter told me, she said, I prayed with her. And I said, what did you say? You know, because I want to know, like, how did you pray? Like, you know, was it theologically sound? How did this prayer go? And she said, I don't remember. I love it. A member. And if you hear her say that, don't correct her. I love, I love how she says things wrong. But she said, I don't remember, but I said Jesus, so it should work. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, my little girl has been spitting gospel fire this week. God, God has used her to minister to me in a powerful way. The, the other day, we overheard, we overheard someone talking about a person who was very wealthy, very rich. And they were talking about all the stuff this person has and all the things they're able to do. My five-year-old daughter, hearing this conversation, says, we're all rich. And my 10-year-old starts arguing with her. No, uh-uh. And my five-year-old's like, yeah, we're all rich. And I said, what do you mean by that, baby? She said, we have Jesus in our heart, so that means we're rich. Five years old. She doesn't know that 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, for you know the grace of the Lord that although he was rich for your sake, he became poor so that through his poverty, you might be rich. In other words, if you have Jesus, you have every single 
thing you need. It's so, it's so simple, yet profound, out of the mouth of babes. Out of the mouth of babes. She doesn't even have a full understanding. She hasn't read the Bible from cover to cover, yet she's getting the most important part. The, the, that God cares about you, that God hears you, and that God responds. She doesn't know if it's going to be pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib. She doesn't know anything about the millennial reign. She doesn't know any of that, yet she understands that with Jesus, she has everything. That Jesus makes all things possible. There's just something powerful about the faith of a child that says, you lost your stuffy, my God cares. The next day she got in the car, she said, got good news, Dad. And I said, what is it, baby? She said, she found her stuffy. Why? Because God cares. God hears. And God responds. Childlike faith. Simple faith. I think sometimes we overcomplicate. We overcomplicate life. We overcomplicate faith. We overcomplicate prayer. We overcomplicate our problems. When really the solution is simple. Take it to God and trust him with it. If it's big, take it to God. Trust him with it. If it's small, take it to God and trust him with it. It's simple childlike faith, yet that is the faith that makes things happen. I want to show you what Jesus says in Matthew, the 18th chapter. He says this starting in verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Childlike faith, this childlike nature that just says anything is possible. They just, they're full of wonder and awe and amazement and faith. And if they trust you, you can tell a child anything and they will believe it. I know when I was a kid, there was this lady at my father's church that told me she had goldfish in her waterbed. And she even took the time to feed the fish. I watched her do it. Now I'm really wondering, like, where are the really goldfish in there? But, but children just believe. They have faith. They have an incredible imagination. And so, like, like we wrestle with things in here, you know, and we, we get so deep in here, yet our kids over there, man, they can see mighty things happen because they don't question it. 
They don't have to know all the ins and outs and the do's and the don'ts and the, the theological words. And they don't have to understand sanctification and justification. They don't understand any of that. Once saved, always saved. They don't know any of that. All they know is Jesus loves me. He hears me. He cares. And he responds. And Jesus is saying, that's what you need. You need to be like a child who is in awe, a child who has extreme faith, a child who has a vivid imagination that believes all things are possible, a child who is dependent. See, your children are completely dependent on you, and they're not they're not trying to figure things out within their own strength because as long as they have a mom and as long as they have a dad, they know that it's going to be okay. But something happens through the process of time. As we get older, we tend to lose this sense of awe. We, we tend to lose this sense of amazement, this imagination, this, this sense of anything really could happen. Like I got a problem, but it really can be fixed. Something over through life, I guess just the course of life and the struggles we have, we, we lose that part of us that Jesus is saying you need to get back to. Do y'all remember the movie Hook? Robin Williams plays Peter Pan, but he's not the Peter Pan in Neverland. Now he's the Peter Pan that carries the cell phone and misses his son's baseball games. Busy with life. And when he does go back to Neverland, he doesn't see the magic anymore because he's lost his imagination. Hear what I'm saying. You cannot afford to lose your imagination because your imagination is attached to your faith. Watch this, Ephesians, the third chapter, verse 20, says this. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly, this is talking about Jesus Christ, saying that Jesus is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. In other words, he can do more than you can ask or think. However, it is your responsibility to ask and to think. I'm going to let that simmer for a moment. Because sometimes we just think, well, if God wants to do it, he'll do it. If it be thy will, it'll happen. That's not what the scripture says. The scripture says that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. If I can imagine it, he can take it beyond what I even imagine. But I've got to have some form of imagination. I've got to have some form of this thought process of I can actually go to God and ask him for some things. The catalyst for the miracle that we read about in John 2 was Mary coming to Jesus and asking him to do something that she believed he could do. And that's what our children do. They come to me or they'll come to their mom and they'll ask the, us to do something because they believe that we have the ability to do it. They never hesitate because they imagine that dad and mom can do anything that they need. They imagine that dad and mom have the ability to provide whatever they need, and so they don't hesitate to ask. See, when I talk about imagination, I want you to understand how important this is. Because imagination is the part of your faith that sees all things as possible. Your imagination is the part of your faith that sees what is not yet as if it already 
exist. Does that make sense to you? My imagination creates space for my faith to operate. And if my imagination is small, then I get small results. Believe little, see little. Believe much, see much. So it's important that I really take the opportunity to expand my faith. Turn to the person next to you and say, expand your faith. That's why vision is so important, because vision sets the parameters for your faith to work within. Are y'all with me this morning? Your vision, your imagination sets the parameters for your faith to work within, because if I don't see it as possible, I will never ask for it. The Bible says in the book of James, you have not because you ask not. Think about that. It's possible that there are things that God wants to release to me that I do not have because I do not ask. And I do not ask because I do not believe he cares or I do not believe he can or I do not believe he will. But I want to show you something. Sean, I want you to come up here. And Alex Ladner, come up here. Hustle on up. <laughs> they give me a time limit, you know. All right, so what I want you to do, Sean, is I want you to stand right here at the, uh, we'll use the podium as the marking line, okay? Alex, I want you to hold this tape measure. So what I'm going to ask you to do, Sean, is I want you to jump, like keep your feet together, and jump as far as you can. <laughs> Try not to clear the drums, though. <laughs> so just go ahead and do it, and then whenever you get there, stop and stay, Okay. All right, go ahead. That's pretty impressive. Now, stay there. Now, Alex, what I want you to do is measure from his foot to the edge to see how far he jumped. The hill, the hill. So, six and a half feet, okay? Now, hold on, leave it there, leave it there, leave it there. Now, now set it down at six and a half feet. Now, Sean, I want you to back up. Now, watch this. If I told you today that Sean was going to jump three inches from where he stands, how many of you would say that's impossible? Why? Because you've already seen him jump six and a half feet. You know that if he can go six and a half feet, then anything within this realm is possible for Sean. What is the greatest miracle that Jesus Christ has ever performed? Many of you may have different answers. I would say the process of salvation is the greatest miracle that Jesus has ever performed. So if Jesus, through the process of salvation, has gone from there to here, then why can't I trust him for something back here? If he can jump to here, then why can't I trust him with my marriage right here, because what's more difficult, to save my soul or to help my marriage? If I can trust him with the salvation of my soul and believe that my faith in him will save me eternally, then why can't I trust that he will provide for me if I'll honor him with my finances? Do you see what we do sometimes, though? We say with our mouth, I believe that Jesus can go all the way to here. But we live as if he can only really come a couple of inches. 
But God is saying, if you can trust me for more, if you know that I I can already easily go six and a half feet, then I will blow you away because I will do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you ask or think. You're just asking me to bless your marriage, but I'm going to bless your marriage. I'm going to bless your children. I'm going to bless your finances. Oh, and that issue you've been dealing with in your body, I'm going to take care of that too. Why? Because you trust me in all things. Oh, church, I wish y'all would get this today. You trust me with everything. You trust me with the small things, and you trust me with the big things. You've given me space to work. Can we thank them for helping this morning? Thank you, guys. That's such a powerful thought when you catch hold of it. Because the world is full of people who would say, I'm a Christian because I've put my faith in Christ, yet they don't believe that God can do anything for them beyond an eternal security, an eternal home. But what I want you to see today is God cares, God hears, and God responds. He cares about every single centimeter of your life. And he hears you when you cry. And he responds to your faith. Anytime he sees faith, he responds. The trick is trusting him with his response because that's real faith. Real faith is trusting him with the response, not the response you desire. See, sometimes Jesus will say yes, and I love the yeses. How many of you love them yeses? I love it. Jesus, can I get an ice cream today? Yes. I was thinking earlier, I was standing over there praising God. The Bible says, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And so I'm just creating space for God to move. Don't judge me, because when this river's released, baby, it's going to be big. <laughs> but sometimes, sometimes God says yes. Sometimes God says no. But see, when I trust him through the process, I understand that when he says no, it's not because he's trying to keep me from something, but because he's got something better for me. You know, when we, when we started Activation Church, we started in a very small space in Kennesaw, Georgia. And I always had a large imagination. I mean, I could see the place filled even when we had 12 people sitting out there. And man, we did church like we were in an arena. And, you know, in my mind, I always saw us coming through the wall with like a chainsaw and be like, we're expanding into this, the retail space next door, you know. And I had this big vision. And then there was this space next to us that was empty. And I was like, okay, you know, and I believe that could be our space. And that's how we'll expand. And, you know, we prayed about it and we had vision. And I, I wrote things down and I drew out maps and I mapped out like how we'll use that space. And then a, a juice bar moved in. God said no to that space. But it's because he knew 221 Dabs Bridge Road was a better place for us. And I would say that this is better than an 18-foot extension. Are you with me? 
So I trust him with the no. Sometimes God says, wait. And I've learned to love the no's and the waits just as much as I love the yes because I know he's doing something to the process. Because when God tells me to wait, it's because he's preparing me for the thing I've been praying for. See, sometimes we are praying and asking God for something or to do something that he is saying yes to, but if you got it now, you wouldn't be able to handle it. How many of you know that to be true? I'm asking God to give me my own business, and God's saying yes, but not now. I'm asking God for this, and God is saying yes, but not now, because I want to make sure when it happens, you are ready and you are prepared for it. You know, it's like going to the gym. I know it doesn't look like it, but I've been a few times. You don't just hop down day one and start bench pressing 300 pounds. If you grab 300 pounds off the rack and you've never pushed anything in your life, that's going to crush you. Doesn't mean that you'll never be able to do it. So what? You go through this process. You're building your strength so that you can handle what you're going after. Same thing in life. We're praying for things. We're believing for things. And God is preparing us for that thing so that we can handle it when we get it and we don't squander it when it comes. Somebody say, I've got to have a big imagination. The next thing I want you to see is that our faith is activated through what we say. So the person next to you say, my faith is activated through what I say. We have too many silent Christians because you don't understand that your faith is activated through what you say. Jesus says in the book of Mark, he said, say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. And if you believe what you say, it will happen. Elijah, the Bible says that he was a man just like us. He was flesh. He was bone. He had our nature, yet he saw the power of God because he would say things like rain. He would say things like don't rain. And God responded to his word through his faith. The Bible teaches that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Another way to say that in another translation that I love is it says the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Why? Because I am saying what I believe in faith and when I release that prayer through faith, it starts working on my behalf. It starts working in an unseen realm, waiting for that time and that season that God has said, okay, now you sprout forth. Now you come out. But I've got to have an imagination. I've got to start saying what I believe. What are you saying about your life? What are you saying about your marriage? What are you saying about our community? What are you saying about our world? What are you saying? Because you have to know your words carry power. And so you need to make sure that your word is coming in alignment with his word and you're speaking his word through faith, understanding that his word will prosper wherever it is sent. Is that what the Bible says? How does his word get sent? Through what you say. If we truly believe this, it would change the way we live because I will start declaring what God has said not what I see in the natural. I start exploring the realm of my imagination of what this could become, 
What could this become? And I start feeding myself on the word of God, which begins to expand my imagination because his word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. It starts showing me things that I've never seen before. It starts expanding my imagination. And then once I see that he's done it for them and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, then he can do it for me. And so now I start declaring, thus saith the Lord over my life, no weapon formed against me will prosper. Any tongue that rises up against me is going to be condemned. I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. My marriage will work. My marriage will prosper. My love for my wife will grow. My children will have a sound mind. They will not live in fear. They will be children of the light. They will make a difference in their world. Are you, are you understanding that? We were talking in the back room this morning, uh, Richard and, and Bob and myself, and we were talking about Scripture, and I just went to a simple Scripture passage. I'll pull one up right now. We were just talking, I was talking about how I read Scripture because I don't, I don't cram Scripture trying to get, like, you know, a quota. I take my time with Scripture because I want to meditate on it. I want to feed on it because I understand that that word has power. I understand that his word is quicker and sharper than any two-edged sword. So as I get his word inside of me, it starts working on me. So I just went to Psalm 43, went to verse 1. And the Bible says, vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause. Father, I thank you today that I am vindicated. I thank you, Lord, that you are defending my cause. You are defending the cause of my family. You are defending the cause of my church. God, I thank you. That no matter where we go, you are with us. You never leave us. You never forsake us. Your rod, your staff, they are comforting me. They are leading me. They are guiding me. You are taking me into truth. You are taking me away from deception. Then it says, you, you defend my cause against ungodly people. Father, I thank you for those that are the enemies that are trying to attack me and destroy me, that they have no power over me because you are fighting for me. I could go on and on and on with this today, but that's how you build faith, and that's how you release your faith and power for it to cause a result in your life. So when I say there's too many silent Christians, that's what I mean. There's too many people sitting by allowing life and circumstance to happen and squander your imagination and as soon as your imagination is gone and your willingness to ask in faith, then you're not, you shouldn't expect anything. Because the Bible says the person who doubts shouldn't expect anything. So I have an imagination. I trust God. I truly believe that he cares about every aspect of my life. I truly believe that he hears me. And I truly believe that he responds. And I do trust him with the response. And the song says, Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Yeah. Just to take him at his word, right? Just to rest upon his promise. Just to rest upon his promise. Why? Because if he has said it, I can rest upon it. I don't have to wrestle with it. That's why when I talk about overcomplicating our problems, we're looking and magnifying the problem, and it seems huge. But when we know the promise is bigger than the problem, then I can rest on the problem. I can rest on the promise in the middle of the problem because God is bigger. 
He knows the beginning to the end, the end to the beginning. Nothing takes him off guard. You know what the Bible says about Jesus after he ascended to the right hand of the Father? It says he sat down. You know what that means? It's done. I'm going to rest in what I've already done and wait for my children to catch up to what I've already done for them. Jesus isn't pacing the halls of heaven, going, oh me, what are we going to do? No. He is seated. He is seated. He is in charge. The one who lives in you is in charge and able to do it exceedingly, abundantly, above all you ask or think according to the power that is within, at work within us. When will we realize the power we carry? When will we understand the potential we carry? When will we understand that overcoming power resides in here and truly start believing what the Word of God says? and releasing it into my atmosphere.